It's that time again, folks. Mm-hmm. Another episode of Stick of Orchid. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ev, I want to introduce this a little differently. Mm-hmm. I brought a friend in mm-hmm. named Pierre, Natasha Pierre. Natasha Pierre. And um, I adore her. Mm-hmm. I find her so insightful, so amazing. She is a mental health advocate, mm-hmm. but she is a person that walks the walk. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So, from experience, she gives advice that she really knows what she's talking about it. And as a human being and a friend, she's just a magnificent person. Yeah. She's on the show today, but what did you think? Because see, I know her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, today was what my first time, think? first time meeting her, and you know, I think that I can see why she does what she does. You know, yeah. she is an incredibly insightful and passionate person, and like you said about you know uh, walking the walk, she's she's so good at what she does because she's lived it. You know, yeah. I think that a lot of what she talks about is her personal journey that has helped her to help people on their own journeys. You know? Right. Yeah. Absolutely, and yeah. um, beautiful. Mm. On the outside, but definitely mm. more beautiful on the end. You guys yeah. enjoy listening and watching mm. Natasha Pierre. That's right. I'm so excited. Yeah. I have a friend here today that I just think is the most amazing, one of the most amazing females on this planet, right. Natasha Pierre. Welcome yeah. to Stick a Fork in It. Mm, thank you so much. We've been it's trying to do to this for you. so long. Yes, and I'm here. <laughs> and you are yes. so here, and I am so excited. I am just in awe of your work. So really mm-hmm. quickly tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about you, okay. and then we're going to go into how your life started, because I know a few things that I think are pretty impressive, okay. and just your journey as a whole. So tell us about you real quick from a professional standpoint. So titles. I'm a mental health educator. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I am 24-7. I'm also a life coach, career coach, emotional intelligence coach, author, speaker, wow. writer, political strategist. I'm a bunch of things. Yes. But mental health, mental wellness is my baby. And that's what I talk about most often, whether I'm in public, 7-Eleven, or here with you. <laughs> right. So it, it's the way you just describe it, kind of mm-hmm. like everyone needs food. And we know that if it starts with if someone's food insecure, yeah. that there's something else going on. Absolutely. Is that, would that be the same to say with mental health? 100%. I explain it to people like, you know, if you have a sprained ankle, you can still watch TV, you can still drive. But if you have a migraine, yeah, everything down. shuts down. Yes. Yes. And that's how it is with your mental health. If your mental health is not taken care of, yes. it affects every other part, your relationships, your work, your friendships, everything. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. So... Tell us more about you. Like, where where were you born? What was your childhood like? My childhood was very interesting. So I was born and raised on St. Thomas Virgin Islands, a tiny island off of Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was an interesting child. I am the middle child, so I've got a brother and sister above me, sister and brother behind me, middle child, too old to be the youngest, too young to be the oldest. (laughs) We're independent. We're the left alone child. Right. And I was interesting. So in first grade, I started writing backwards. Oh, wow. Because I could write with both hands, and I went to a Catholic school, and the nun told me I would mess up my brain (laughs) if I kept doing it. So I was like, fine, I'll pick my right hand, but I'll write forward and backwards. So I still do that to this day. Um, By nine, I was, I guess, a manager in my mom's boutique. (laughs) And she named the boutique Cassandra's Mm -hmm. after my younger sister. 
the third and last daughter. Huh. So my older sister and I are like, okay, so are we yeah. chopped liver? Like, what about <laughs> us? Like, you right. jumped over the to baby? girl baby for her? jumped. So <laughs> the complaining worked because around age 12, my parents allowed us to open up our own store. Wow. So, yeah, my first experience with working wasn't as an employee, but an entrepreneur. Oh, wow. Now, let me tell you how much my parents loved us. My <laughs> older sister is Stacy. I am Natasha. My parents actually allowed us to name the store Stanasha's. <laughs> Stanasha's. Because we yeah. couldn't decide. Like, y- you yeah. can't have more of the name, and I can't have more right. of the name. So we're like, fine, we'll just chop up the names and name <laughs> yes. it that. And we had a tourist shop in a marina. Loved when the naval ships mm. came in because they'd come ashore with all the money they couldn't spend at sea. Right. Right. And we worked after school. We worked weekends. We hired, fired, deposits. And uh, a couple years later, about two years later, my sister went off to college. Mm-hmm. My interest changed. I started hosting a teen talk show. Oh, wow. And wow. it was on radio, um, writing for the newspaper. But my work in communications actually began when I was nine in my bedroom with my 86 stuffed animals. Wow. Oh, I'd line them up on the bed and I would teach them preach to them, speak to them. They were my first audience. So uh, right, I've right, been right. doing communication since I was nine. Wow. I yes. wow. love it. That's yeah. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Driven from nine. <laughs> right, nine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then after you closed down, sold everything out at the store, Yeah. right? What was next for you? So what happened next, well, when I was nine, in the Virgin Islands, we have a very strong accent or dialect. Yes. Um, what I would do, and I will tell my age a little bit here, but I love Peter Jennings from ABC Nightly News. Mm. Okay. So I would record him on my VCR, and I would repeat at nine mm. everything that he said because I knew I would be on TV one day. Wow. And wow. I wanted to have my TV voice ready. Right. So right. Peter Jennings, ABC Nightly News, <laughs> New York. And I would just repeat everything. Oh, my gosh. A very. My parents would come into my room. They'd look at me, and they'd just be like, you know, leave her alone. Leave her alone. <laughs> She's doing it. Yeah. With the with the audience. Yes. Right, yeah. Right. But by 14, I was on TV. And how that came about, I had a journalism project where I had to interview someone in the community. A friend knew a new senator. I interviewed him, and he was impressed with my interview. And he's like would you be interested in, in hosting a talk show? And I'm like, yes. Yeah, I've been preparing my whole <laughs> yes, life for my this. whole life. <laughs> right? And, he, and so that's how we got started. We interviewed um, basketball stars, Shale- uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Alonzo Mourning, um, Monica Brandy, so many celebrities. Right. Yeah. As a 14-year-old, hosted town halls you know, in the community. So this wow. was something that, again, I've been preparing for since I was yeah. nine, and I was ready. So luck, yeah. Yeah. when preparation meets opportunity. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. And then <laughs> at what point did you head to the States? I came to America in 1994 for okay. college. And I went to Pittsburgh. Okay. So imagine the culture shock. Mm. We were just talking about how you need it warm. You're in a jacket. We're sweating. Oh, oh my gosh. Small, tiny (laughs) island. And I'm like, wow, they wear long jeans here. Okay. (laughs) You know, and and jackets. And soon you would know why. Yeah. How did you do that? My dad came with me, Mm -hmm. and I remember saying, 
it feels like air conditioned but outside. <laughs> oh, because this sweet. is Pittsburgh. It's like true. this is really weird. Right. So I I quickly learned that um, cold is real. <laughs> um, <laughs> snow. I was. I think I was like. Uh, it was my initiation because mm-hmm. we had a lot of snow that year, oh. and I was like, "This is." Um, pretty on the inside but like we gotta walk in this yeah Yeah. you you all don't cancel Mm. things yeah we're just gonna stay home oh no there's no snow days in cold no (laughs) so it was a lot and then even you know the differences in culture Mm. I lots of questions you live on an island right Oh, yeah. So do I would you imagine. just like do you also hang out at the beach all day? Right. You know what do you use for money? Well, right. it's the U.S. Virgin Islands. Right. Yes. So we're territory. <laughs> we use the dollar. Yes. So it was a lot of no. We do not just sit on the beach and braid hair right. all day. We yeah. don't have clams for money. Like we actually see <laughs> what yeah. you see on TV. Yeah. But it was it was fun. It was a great experience being in college right. in Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're all educating each other. It must have been really insightful. It's so funny. That, are you at the beach every day? It's kind of like <laughs> living day. in Florida. Right. Yeah. Smaller. Yeah. But yes. people are like, oh, how's the beach? And I'm like, I haven't had time to be there in eight, <laughs> ten weeks. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we don't I'm all sure live there. I'm sure it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because right. we have lives. Lives. Exactly. Lives. lives. And it could, be, it could be a small island or everybody has a purpose. Everyone everybody has, has lives. lives. Right. Yeah. And right. we get to the beach if we can. Right. <laughs> when we can. Now, I make it a point um, for the last couple months, I've been going every Every Saturday, okay. that's like my own self care. Yeah, how I how I rejuvenate. But yeah, I mean, there were times we lived like five minutes from the beach, and it's like, well, mom's working, no one's driving, <laughs> right? We haven't seen the beach. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sure it's there. Right. But that's you know, U.S. Virgin Islands, America's paradise. How right. do you not just sip pina colada? Don't you go to school on the right. beach? Uh, no, At what age don't. was your first pina colada? Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Well, everyone gets them at 12. Of you know? course, exactly. It was, and, and even it was kind of funny to make up stories of, you know, why it's called the Virgin Islands. Right. And, you know, oh, yeah. Yes. And, yeah. and watch me like, really? <laughs> like, no, no. So oh. it was, um, you know, people love the accent, of course, and yes. had many questions. So college was fun. And yeah. I, I majored in broadcast journalism and English. And that everything was obsolete besides the English on the day I graduated. Yeah. Because <laughs> communication changes. Here we are doing yeah. a podcast. Right. 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 We weren't right. doing this. I was using the VCR mm-hmm. back then. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it was fun. And my relationships, my connections, really, the ones that I have now were forged in in college mm. that's wonderful yeah. mm-hmm. that's wonderful yeah. so you know taking the turn to mental health mm-hmm. uh, being such a focus for you from being journalism mm-hmm. how did you go into your current role how did you jump because you've been there what 20 years you've been a yeah. mental health expert tell us about that it, it kind of started in in college there was a semester in college where I lost 12 people in six months. Mm. And in hindsight, I was catatonic. Um, And I went to the campus ministry, campus therapy. At that time, there wasn't really therapy. It was just Mm. campus counseling. A catch-all, because I went to Duquesne University, a a Catholic university. And I was going to therapy just to deal with it and to process it all. And um, there was a lot of grief. That's a lot of grief. How many again? Twelve. Twelve in six people. months. Wow. And, and that's so, family, friends, all different reasons, but all yeah. 
And who back then, 25, almost 30 years ago, had the words, the articulation mm. for grief right. at mm. that level? Right. right. It, it wasn't happening. Even mental health, it wasn't happening. Right. So I think we're just we're just, just we're just getting there, which we'll talk about more. Yeah, about you know losing and loss. But mm. wow. So and then it wasn't adequate. So you're it like wasn't. now what? Mm. So after you know I dealt with it. I got through. I they actually allowed me to take a semester off, but stay on campus. Yeah. Okay. And I got through it. I graduated. I did my first movie, mm. which was The Temptations um, miniseries. Mm. So, yeah, I'm a SAG actress, too. One of my <laughs> other nice. lives. You a very long business card. Yes. yes. <laughs> left there. Uh, left Pittsburgh June, 2020, June 2001. Okay. And moved to New York. Okay. To be a model. So instead of going to L.A. and doing the acting thing, I went to New York and was modeling for a while. And, of course... We all know what happened on September 11th, 2001. Yes. yes. This is when life changed mm. yeah. because my agency was around the corner from the World Trade Center. Oh, wow. I had an appointment on September 11th. Oh, and about six in the morning, my younger cousin asked me to walk her to, to school. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I called, left a message. <laughs> thing, yeah. On the voicemail, hey, I'll come in later. So I called my agency, told them I'd come in later, walked her to school, and on my way back, I'm at a crosswalk, and the cars aren't moving. And I'm like, okay, you guys have the light. Yeah, you yeah can what's go. happening? And someone called me over, was like, hey, you know, a plane flew into the World Trade Center, and it didn't compute. Right, right. So I got home, I turned on the TV, and like many people, it looked like a movie. Right. Yes. And then it hit me. Oh, you would have been getting off at the World Trade Center stop mm. for your wow. 9 o'clock appointment about 8.45. Wow. And uh, that's when the fainting began. Yeah. So I started fainting all over New York City. Wow. wow. I had everything checked. Mm. And finally one doctor is like, maybe you should see a psychiatrist. Mm. And I was like, you sure it's not my lungs? Yeah. You know, right? Are you sure? <laughs> I saw the psychiatrist and that's when I heard survivor's guilt. Because mm. that's what I felt. And it was a lot of people, when they want to comfort you, they say, well, God wasn't finished with you yet. Right. You know, God still has purpose. Right. But the converse of that is, well, 3,000, God was finished with 3,000 people right. today. Yeah. Right. What do you say to their families? Right. Right. 3,000 people's purpose ended right. today. Yeah. It, it didn't feel good to me to hear, well, God isn't finished with yeah, you yet. Right. I, I, I didn't know how to deal with it. Right. So anxiety panic it presented for me as fainting mm. and that led to down. agoraphobia i'm yeah. like i'm afraid to go outside because i'm afraid of fainting like i've seen the firemen mm. enough this week yeah. right. you know right. I'm, yeah. I'm like i'm kind of tired <laughs> and so i stayed home um, my parents would bring me food in the morning and in the evening my career as a model um, was affected because I'm not leaving home. Wow. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And that led into the diagnosis of um, bipolar disorder, mm. which was in the result of 9-11, mm. but it was an underlying issue. Mm. And I realized you know, later on that I was writing very, very dark poetry at mm. age nine. Right. All these very ups and successes had these underlying, mm. had the underlying current of, of just dark. Yeah. And even now I'm like, what 
nine year why are you writing this at mm. nine jumping off right. a building why are you right. writing right. this right but it just goes to show that I could be in you know in the National Honor Society on TV writing for the paper owning a store and still have something mm. an, an undercurrent yeah. of, of sadness that you know took me years to realize that I'm not the only one yeah. right and it's mm-hmm. sort of just gaining steam and momentum behind the scenes the whole time, just Absolutely. unaddressed. Yeah. Until September 11th. Yeah. And, and that was wham. the break. All spills out. That wow. was the break for wow. me because it was it was the mood swings. Mm-hmm. It was um, the insomnia. It is the intrusive thoughts. So yeah. describe bipolar disorder, just in case a viewer mm-hmm. listener yeah. doesn't understand and what that's about. Bipolar disorder is a mood disorder. And so you vacillate between periods of depression and either mania or hypomania. And uh, there's uh, bipolar one, two, and there's some other ones. I am bipolar two, Mm -hmm. mixed dates, rapid cycling. Mm. So what that means is I can go between depression, a zero, Mm -hmm. and I'm having suicidal thoughts, and a 10, I hate everyone, everyone is making noise, let's burn the whole place down. Mm-hmm. I can go between those two several times an hour. Wow. Wow. That's terribly disorienting. I can't even imagine. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, you know, hey, yeah. let's go for a run. Yeah. And I go for a run, we're coming, I'm gonna make banana pancakes and eggs and something while I'm beating the eggs, there's a mood shift and I just leave the eggs and I go to bed for like three hours. Yeah. And then I get up, I'm like, okay, well, let's toss the eggs, let's do a carrot cake. Mm-hmm. And then I make the carrot cake, and I'm like, I don't even want to eat this. Mm. And you throw it in oh, the trash. Wow. Yeah. So that's the benefit of medication. It, you know, I'm not a zero, I'm not a 10. It keeps me at a five, because that's exhausting. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. yes. Exhausting. Yes. And the, the mixed states is I can sometimes be depressed and hypomanic sure. at the same time. Wow. Like I can be happy. Yeah. Like it's a great day and right. I suck. Yeah. Wow. And it's like how how do you do this? And even, you know, after you come out of the depression state, it's like, what was I what was I so upset about mm-hmm. yesterday? Mm-hmm. I, I can't even remember. Right. Or like I know there's certain times where I'm hyper sensitive to sound. Misophonia is what it's called. Mm -hmm. It's extreme agitation to sound. Mm -hmm. So I know during those times, that is not the day to eat at Panera Bread. Yeah. Yeah. With the crunching of the chips Mm -hmm. and the apple and the slurping of the soup. Mm -hmm. Because I can't just scream, everyone shut (laughs) up. Can you stop being so noisy? Stop eating I'm trying to work you know and that's the self-awareness and the self-regulation for me to know what times of the month usually around the full moon Mm. that I need to just be away from people yeah because I can't tell everyone hey can you not eat right now (laughs) I'm trying to focus But it's why, you know, can even you on Zoom. Yeah. Right. There are times where I feel like saying that to people. Like, For I sure. can hear you. Like, yes. <laughs> I can hear you eating. Are you intentionally crunching that yeah. apple Trying just to, to annoy me? Uh, right. Because that's how Stranger. I feel. Right, yeah. Stranger. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but even on Zoom, it's why sometimes I I, I turn off the, I, the sound and I just read the captions. Because do you not hear that? 
smoke alarm? Right. Like, are you going to change the battery? Because this yeah. is the third meeting. <laughs> it's driving right. me I just want to know, if are you changing it? Do you need me to send <laughs> like, you a battery? I will do it for you right. if that's what right. you need. Amazon right now, I've got Prime. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Or it's a drip. Yeah. Or a... Um, a crunch or someone's microphone that's against their shirt. I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah. Mute. I'll read the captions. Yeah. Just and again, self advocacy because I can't be on the Zoom and like, you know what? Can we pause the meeting for a minute? <laughs> you either mute or change the battery. Right. You tell the dog to go outside. I can't do that. So this no. is why I tell people. It might be funny if you. It would right. be funny just once. Just once, right? Just because you have a diagnosis doesn't mean the world has to walk on eggshells around you. That's where the self-regulation right. comes in. Is there a difference between, you know, diagnosis and then just a state of being? You know, because yeah. like for instance, a lot of times for me, depression, mm -hmm. it's situational. Without a doubt. But maybe with bipolar, it's more internal. So it may not be a situation. It may not be a noise or something like that. It might just be your shift. Yes. Is that at that's Correct? 100%. It's mm. the difference between mental illness and mental health. Mm. So mental illness for me is, is when my mood shifts, but my mood can shift based on a situation. For, for example, some people like, Natasha, do I need to go on meds? No, you need to break up with him. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's Change just the it. circumstance. Um, in the last three and a half years, I've lost 13 people. Wow. From COVID, cardiac arrest, I had one person die um, going to cardiac arrest while I was talking to him on the phone. Oh my gosh. So I've been dealing with a lot of grief, but haven't had the time to process it. Right. Now, is that bipolar disorder? Or is that a mental health challenge? Yeah. That's grief. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not bipolar disorder. And I tell people that, you know, because I haven't had time in the past to process the grief, mm -hmm. it triggered mm -hmm. the bipolar disorder because I was off of medication for five years mm -hmm. and I made the decision really uh, in the last three months to return to everything mm -hmm. because I am like Natasha what would you tell a client oh yes yeah, tough it out right yeah. <laughs> right suck it up right. you know you're no. stronger than this no you would not you would have compassion so Medicine for me buys me time to work through grief, mm -hmm. to work through trauma, to work through pain, mm -hmm. to get new coping mechanisms. Yeah. And then there's going to be a day where I won't need it again. But right. for now, mm -hmm. it allows me to continue being mm -hmm. and doing. And that, that's probably something that I, I feel like a lot of people probably aren't maybe fully capable of is kind of seeing what circumstances in their life are causing, you mm -hmm. know, these things, which is I'm sure where therapy comes in is like, all of a sudden you feel terrible and you are seeking a diagnosis, but maybe there are things happening right. in your life that you can are doing that to you. you yes. Know? Yeah. Right. And it can be, you know, grief. It could be a relationship. It could be, I hate my job, mm -hmm. you know, and I tell people that I do a lot of work on myself. Mm -hmm. So I love personality tests. I love, I think everything factors into who I am. So I am a quadruple Aries. Mm. That just means my sun, moon, rising, Venus. Woo. At the moment that I was born, all Aries. <laughs> Lots of fire. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very burn passionate. A down in oh, a without a doubt. Ev, do you know anything about the signs? I, I know that I'm a Taurus. <laughs> okay, yeah. 
So very, very passionate, yeah. very fiery. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. know that even with a bipolar diagnosis, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm either in it or not. Mm-hmm. On, off, left, right, in, out. There's no gray right. area with me. Or yes. both. Or both. Or both, yeah, but it's both so extremes. So with you, sometimes it's both. Just sometimes like the writing. Both. <laughs> so that was a little sign, that yes. writing, where I can do it this way, but I can do it that way. Yeah. But I'm also an introvert. Mm. So Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ. Mm-hmm. I... I'm extrovert, and people think introvert means shy. Right. Introvert means how you replenish. Mm. I replenish by myself, Mm -hmm. how I get my energy back. So anytime I do a speaking engagement, I know the next day is my day Mm -hmm. because I've poured out so much, I've got to replenish for me. So I do personality tests because I need to learn me. I tell people it's not enough for you to say, well, oh, I'm just mean and brash because I'm an Aries. No, your personality kind of stinks and you need therapy. That's not not an excuse. It is not an excuse. Just because you, it's like, you know, a person that may be using one of the grocery carts um, with the, like, like the, the rolling grocery carts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just because you're in one doesn't mean you don't have to say excuse me. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> like you still have to say excuse me. You can't just roll over people's feet. Right. Right. You know, right. there's still some responsibility because you're in a community. Yeah. Yes. And I can't just have an attitude come in here and be like, I wanted room temperature Welsh's grape juice, and, and I'm being mean to everyone because I'm bipolar. Right. No, that's and that's, an Aries, and yeah. an Aries, Damn. and a middle child. That's a lot. And, and a, a middle, middle child. child. Yes. Honey, a lot. weight of the world. But it makes me aware of, okay, I do, I usually do a check on, before I respond to anything. All right. Is this a, a, an emotion that mm-hmm. any human would feel? Mm-hmm. Meaning a dog died, any human would feel sad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or is this ego mm-hmm. where you feel like, Someone is trying to make me feel irrelevant. Mm. Someone is not paying attention to me. Or is this your trauma? Mm. Mm -hmm. Which one of those three? If it's trauma, that's your stuff. If it's ego, it's your stuff. Mm -hmm. If it's an emotion that any human would feel, okay, let's process that. And I, I tell that not only to my clients, but to everyone because no one's responsible for your trauma. Mm. You aren't responsible for your trauma, but you are responsible for how you handle it Mm. Mm -hmm. and how you process it and how you deal with it. You know, after 26, you're you're off your parents' insurance. Like, it's your work to do now, and it's, it's, Google is free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes (laughs) scary, though. I think you need, for some of that stuff, you need to seek out, you know, if you feel. Wow, because I've watched some of your stuff just, you know, all over YouTube, news, yeah. everything else, your your, um, Thank you. your website. <laughs> um, so really quick, you recognize this. You've been diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Uh, September 11th has passed. You know, what was your next step? How did you go into? I went underground. Mm. Oh, I didn't tell anyone anything from 2001 I had a core group of underground bloggers and we would communicate with each other because 2001 no one's talking about this I was petrified Mm. of anyone finding out my sister and my best friend at the time knew Mm. no one else knew and we we would share from medication to how are you dealing how are you processing um 
I was afraid. I had a reoccurring nightmare that TMZ would shove a microphone in my face and be like, isn't it true you're bipolar? (laughs) And like this, I would wake up in a panic because stigma is real. Yes. And at this time, you know, I'm a model, I'm an actress, Mm -hmm. the world isn't talking about this. And if they are, they're using it. Like I'm watching NYPD Blue right now from, Mm -hmm. you know, 1994, Mm, 93. (laughs) They still use terms that would make the world grind to a halt Mm. right now that's to show you how far we've come as a society so the self-stigma was real because here I am I'm voted most likely to succeed in high school okay I'm a model I'm an actress I'm smart I've got a degree you know I've been an entrepreneur what does this diagnosis say about me like is my life over right am I defective Mm. like who would want to date me Mm. who would even I can't let anyone ever know about this. So I didn't come out Mm. until September 22nd, 2019. Wow. Wow. It's a long time. I didn't come out. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's so hard on you. I did not. I mean, I had my core group knew about it. Mm -hmm. You know, family knew about it. But I didn't tell anyone. I had a, when I first moved here to Tampa in 2013, I was on a job and I remember it, it was a Halloween party. I was going as Olivia Pope from Scandal. <laughs> oh, my favorite. Right. And I went. You cannot talk to me. You yeah. can't. It's handled. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's handled. She was like my yes for PR. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Never, you've got to watch. <laughs> Amazing. I've heard, yeah. The spin doctor. But the this day. Mm-hmm. I drove into the parking garage and I had a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Parking garages, usually where I would park, would be not covered. Mm-hmm. But this day I came a little bit later and I had to go in and I was stuck in my car. And I'm like, Natasha, you have to do something. Mm-hmm. So I called HR and I told them, I'm having a tough time getting out of my car. Um, I disclosed what was going on, it did not go well for me. Mm. Um, oh, they no. did send um, EMS. Oh, um, man. And Which is, which is fine, yeah. but what ensued after that was, and I was a trainer, she cannot handle the job. <gasps> she cannot handle the role. Wow. Um, and this came from my manager, who should not have known anything mm-hmm. that went on. Right. Because I disclosed to HR. Yes. Then I was moved out of the position. Um, and they kept it so my pay stayed the same. It was a lateral move. Mm. Right. <laughs> but it was away from, I was in a room by myself, like, listening to calls. Wow. Oh, no. Hurt, hurt me. Yeah. And I... There was one day that I just said, this is, this isn't it. And full transparency, because I think people need this. I knew the day I had to leave that job when I was in my car and I saw someone and the intrusive thought was run them over. Mm. Wow. Because yeah. of the anger and all the things that you had. How can you take someone, I am really struggling, yeah. right? And put them in, literally in a box. Right, yeah. In a box. You can't. Yeah. I right. mean, this is exactly 
what used to happen. Yeah. I worked with, I didn't work with another human. Mm-hmm. It was me and a computer. Mm-hmm. And I, oh I sat in that car. I remember I was blocking the, the, the flow of traffic. I put the car in park. Mm-hmm. I pulled um, the key out and I called my psychiatrist and I said, I need help. Mm-hmm. And I told her what was going on and she said, come to me right now. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even bother calling out of work. I went right to my psychiatrist and she got me into uh, intensive outpatient treatment program. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was in June of 2015. So not even that long ago. No. Yeah. And I spent three months in that program doing individual therapy, group therapy, understanding the diagnosis, understanding what it meant for me, mm-hmm. just processing. And that was the first time I'd ever done that mm-hmm. in that type of setting. Um, it's also important to note that on that job, there was a day that it was like nine o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, who is drinking <laughs> so early in the morning? It was my own breath. Wow. I had learned that if I poured some Moscato with apple juice mm-hmm. into my coffee thermos, oh, wow. then I'd be able to relax throughout the day instead of getting medicine. So I was self-medicating. Wow. Self-medicating. Right. And I was like, wow. I was so shocked. I rushed to the bathroom. I poured it out. And mm-hmm. it, it was like a scared straight moment without anyone else's intervention. Right. And, you know, I think back on it now, if I got pulled over, mm. would they say DUI or would they say this is a girl with a mental illness? Mm, right. Oh, yeah. Well, we know Which the answer. Which came we know the answer. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But how, um, I don't know, astute of you, like, so many people don't take that path where mm-hmm. they recognize, like, I am self-medicating. They yeah. don't get it. Right. And you were able to catch yourself. Mm-hmm. Um is part of that reason because of the you you had a someone that you could call you had a doctor that you could call and talk to like all of this was kind of building you up inside to be able to recognize things like that it was having a team having a, a therapist team. and a psychiatrist i i credit a lot to my underground um group of bloggers mm. back in wow. what 20 2000 two and three we shared a lot of information we lost a lot of people Mm -hmm. there were times that you know husbands would message the group and just say you know what she lost her battle last night Um, so lots of people to suicide but we shared so much information because back then we didn't know if we were weird it's like hey when you take this medicine do you clench your jaws right yeah I do too okay (laughs) so I'm not the weirdo great so what are you doing for it I went to um, CVS and I just bought a mouth guard and it's helped. Oh, great. So we gotcha. shared Everything. resources and strategies. Yeah. Um, how do you deal when, you know, your child is annoying you? Mm. How Where else can you say, I love my child, but I wish she'd go away? Right. 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 I yeah. need a break. I need a break. Where yeah. else can you say that but to other people who understand? Yeah. Yes. You know, I'm in a relationship. I love him, but... The, his his just his voice is right. irking me. Right. Where can you say that? But to other people right. who understand, the trusted so. circle. Now, do you, uh, is yeah. that circle still together today? We we still have our blogs up. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have that blog up. I don't post on it anymore. Okay. Um, I keep it up because I still get people from around the world that message me. Mm. Right and say thank you for this post or because of this post I didn't take my life. Mm. That's the only reason why I'm on social media. Or I'd just be like, because I don't care for it. Right. 
but the messages that I receive from a, from places, I'm like, I didn't even know there was a Kazakhstan or whatever, <laughs> right? You right. know, but I get a message, I'm like, wow, okay. There's so many times I look at Facebook, I'm like, I'm deleting this, right? <laughs> but then, you know, I get a message, I'm like, yeah, okay. Same thing for LinkedIn. The enviable titles that have messaged me. Mm. And it's like, thank you for that post. Or I may not always like it. Mm -hmm. Elected officials, Mm. I won't like your posts, but know that I'm watching. Mm. And that's from around the nation. And I'm like, I do it for you. I'm not doing it for the people who think, you know, bipolar disorder is for people who are lazy and, you know, they just want attention. Trust me, if I wanted attention, there's a lot yeah. easier ways for me to do it yes. than this. Yes. But that's why I, I keep my social media. It's for people. I never want people to feel as hopeless and as alone as I have felt. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. lucky you really survived that. That's because of that core group and that circle. Yeah. I think that's a lot of the stories that you hear of mm-hmm. folks giving up, mm-hmm. just like within your circle, too. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I, amazing mm-hmm. the work that you've done. And then, when did you go professional? Like where this was someone that, you know, the certified expert. Mm-hmm. When I realized that this was a path, I was um, working with the Grow Group, who has mm-hmm. uh, done a lot of work here at Feeding Tampa Bay. And I gravitated toward those with mental health challenges. They weren't even fully aware right. of my diagnosis. But I also realized that every person I worked with had an undiagnosed underlying condition of social anxiety. Wow. Because they haven't been in the workforce for so long, they were nervous to get Mm -hmm. back into it. And I was like, I... There's something here. I saw myself in them. Mm -hmm. And I felt a responsibility to, to share. I felt a responsibility to explain how I deal with it and how I get over. And that was a transition for me. It's like, I, I've i got to do this. Now, how I overcame my TMZ fear, <laughs> I have a friend who is also a coach, and we would coach each other. We'd take turns every weekend. And I told her my fear, and she's like, Natasha, well, you've worked in publicity. Just write the statement as if you were doing it for a client. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like, what? She's write like, it for imagine that you've got a client with bipolar disorder. Write the statement you'd give to the press. Wow. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I wrote it, and the next time we met, she's like, all right, now um, I'll count you down, and you deliver it. Hmm. And I said, you know, thank you all uh, for being here today. As you know, it's come out that I was recently diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, I've received, thank you for the positive comments. Of course, there's going to be negative comments, but I hope we can move forward and open up the conversation about mental health mm. and all of the people who struggle in silence. Thank you. I will not be taking <laughs> any questions. <laughs> Boom. That's pretty awesome. Mike and <laughs> that was the end of it. Wow. That, that like got rid of the Empowering fear. Like yourself. you knew what you would say. That was it. Wow. And September 19th, uh, 22nd, uh, 2019, I participated in This Is My Brave. Mm. It's a nonprofit that highlights stories of people who deal with addiction and mental illness. And uh, I opened up the show in Orlando to a packed house. Mm. And I told my story for the first time. I was like, and, and why did that I've got to give credit to um, Senator Daryl Roussan. He's a Florida State Senator. I heard him say something one time, and it stuck with me. 
If I scream my story first, you can't hurt me if you whisper it second. <laughs> wow. Whoa. <laughs> so I yeah. scream my story yeah. on an Orlando stage. Yeah. And I was like, there's the power. Yeah. yeah. So anyone who's like, yeah. hey, do you know she has bipolar disorder? Yeah. I already screamed yeah. it. It's <laughs> yeah. on YouTube. Right. Yeah. You know, right. it's everywhere. So. You got to tell your own story yeah. first. Yeah. What else you got? And right. then And then impacting others. How important did that become? That kind of what fuels you. Yeah. Hmm. Um, how did that go from being on a stage, hmm. speaking I your truth talking. to... You just kept communicating. I kept folks. talking. Mm-hmm. This is, wow. you wake me up at three in the morning, I'm ready to have a conversation about mental health. Mm-hmm. I'm in Publix, in near the produce. Mm-hmm. I just, I can feel. I think when you have experience and survive something, you can feel if someone is experiencing it too. Mm-hmm. And there are many times in a drive-through, I'll just linger for a while and then someone says something and I'm like, that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> so what type of medicine are you going to pick up? Uh-huh. Or it's in the produce aisle and I'm just hanging around and someone's like, yeah, you know, I'm just having a tough time. I miss my grandkids. Mm-hmm. And now we get into a topic of depression and I get to connect them with resources. Mm-hmm. I, you know, in the last, uh, wow, was it a year? Two years ago, I was height of COVID. I was septic. And had organ failure. Wow. Oh, my god. Another thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that really, with my mental health background, should have taken me out. Mm. Right. But I was on a COVID wing. But I got a divine download, as I call it, that people die mentally mm. before they die physically. And so my assignment in that hospital was to manage my thoughts. Like, Natasha, focus on the positive, Mm -hmm. make plans for when Mm -hmm. you get out of here, use all of your tools. Mm. So I was so weak, I couldn't journal, but I could play YouTube, encouraging messages, and and that's the strategies that I tell, life is gonna happen. Right. Life is gonna happen. This diagnosis is gonna be with me until the end. Mm. And that does not mean I'm gonna be exempt from breakups and death, no, I get those too. So the day to equip yourself for the test is not when the test is in front of you. Every day, every day, I've got to meditate. I've got to take my omega-3s. I've got to play with puppies when I can. (laughs) I've got to be out in nature. I've got to drink water. Mm -hmm. I've got to do all of these things because I don't know when the next test is. And that's the message that I give to people. Like, you don't know what your next test is going to be. Are you prepared? Are you ready? For whatever that test is. And that's kind of universal thinking. Yeah. That's universal, universal thinking. Whether you have a diagnosis or, or you not. don't, or you just, right. depression yes. yeah, hits you, or that, life, right. situational things, you still have to, have to approach like that. Absolutely. Are you ready? Right. Because that's the thing is, you know, you were talking about how you, you talk about this with anybody anywhere, public. Mm-hmm. It's because it's something that literally everyone deals everyone. with. But we tend to, I think, think that it's like this select group of people, like the people who are mentally ill, but it's like, you could be mentally ill tomorrow <laughs> if something right. happens to you. Yes. And if you, like you said, if you're not prepared. Absolutely. Yeah. Grief. Mm-hmm. I think right now, you know, after a period of progression, there's a period of regression. So the height of the pandemic, the globe mm. was talking about mental yeah. illness because universally we all felt overwhelmed. We all felt mm-hmm. anxious. We all felt stressed. Mm-hmm. 
now that people are back to work, we've got the vaccines, now it's like, it's them. Mm-hmm. You know, the <laughs> people with mental illness are othered once again. Yeah. Like, pull yourself up. Come on, there's jobs. Do you know how many jobs are available? Right. And, the, you know, the minimum wages increase. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys get to go back to your life because the stressor is alleviated. Mm-hmm. You're back to work. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're happy, you're traveling. But we still deal with a depression that doesn't have a cause. Yeah. Right. So I could be depressed on a day that I get an award. Mm-hmm. I can leave a TV station doing a phenomenal interview and walk to the car and think, you, that sucked. Mm. Right, and tear you, yourself apart. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You need to go back to Toastmasters right. because I think you said too many ums. Uh-huh. You know, right. Or why did you wear that dress? That was not the color for you. Yeah. Wow. And then go under the covers and be like... <clears throat> Yeah, this is you. you and the day really, has turned. The day has turned, yeah. and the intrusive thoughts come in. And I always like to make the the distinction between being suicidal and having suicidal thoughts. Mm. Being suicidal is I have a plan and a date. Suicidal thoughts is just a thought. It's like you know what. I should go and buy an entire bag of Swedish fish candy, at least a pound, mm. and eat it. Mm. That's an intrusive thought. Yeah. Right. You know, I should just go buy a gallon of ice cream and just binge watch Law and Order SVU today. Right. It's a thought. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it. And that's a difference. But those conversations can only be had with people who understand. Mm-hmm. And that's why I keep talking. I keep talking and I'll keep talking because people need to know that they're not alone, that they're not weird, that it is possible to have a diagnosis and be on the stick of fork in it. Right. Right. (laughs) And find balance. You know, you mentioned suicide and Mm -hmm. I, I I feel maybe it's just life in general Mm -hmm. um, or, but I just feel it's talked about more. Mm. Um, I think you see, I think because it's talked about, maybe you see it more often, Mm. you know, what are your thoughts on that? Like, is there a change in our culture that it's it, it's accepted? Or is it just we're, we're talking about it? Because it just seems, I've had a few friends um, and acquaintances in the past that I would have never imagined, you know, them being so unhappy right. and not seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. And then, like, you talk about you have those thoughts. You know, you have the worst day. Everything's coming at you. And it's like, I'm just tired. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. Right? You know, it's just, yeah. is it more prevalent because of the society and the way we are? Or is it just something that was just always under the rug and mm-hmm. frowned on and you're going to go to hell mm-hmm. and all that negative um, and not really about just being able to cope? I think that's what it is. I think it's always happened, but we never spoke about it. Right. It was just the uncle that disappeared, mm-hmm. the aunt right. that went away, yeah. the child that went off to live with the grandmother. Yeah. And then social media and media technology has allowed us to hear about it Mm. in real time. So it seems like it's happening more often, but I don't think it is. Mm. I tell people, you know, for anyone who says that, oh, yeah, anyone who goes to hell, uh, does suicide, is going to hell. Mm. I, I tell them, I said, be grateful every day that you have never experienced the type of hopelessness. Right. That would make you consider that as the best option. Yeah. When a person is contemplating suicide or is suicidal, understand that 
that's not the first choice. Mm-hmm. Like they've tried everything. Right. Yeah. For them, they for have them, tried it all. Right, right. Everything that is in their mind to try, every resource that they have to alleviate that mental and emotional pain, they've done it. Yeah. Right. And now it's like, instead of burdening my parents and my family, instead of having this conversation again, because I can see in their face that they're tired of having this conversation with me, I'm gonna do them a favor. And that's not to say that every person that dies by suicide has a mental illness, but many do. Right. And I believe that at the point that a person is suicidal, it takes a significant disruption to change the course. And sometimes it's a conversation, sometimes it's, it's, it's a, a word, a, a word that'll snap them out of it. Mm-hmm. But many times it's, it's nothing that you could have done. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was a sign, maybe. That's one of the things that I've accepted mm-hmm. because I've lost count of how many people that I know or have met that have died by suicide. Yeah. And I've had to release myself from the if only. Mm-hmm. Because That's a hard thing it's to do. It's very hard. Yes. Right. Because right. this is what I do. Like, how did you not notice the sign? Right, exactly. You know, how did wow. you not see? Yeah. But people with mental illness, we're some of the best actors on the planet. <laughs> right, yeah. You're masking all day long. Oh, yeah. All day long. Right. Yeah. right. You know, it is, it's, it's, I've got to, and we're so self-aware, okay, you're he's smiling, so I'll mirror you. Right. Yeah, she's you know, happy. Right. She's looking. Yes. She's happy. She's fine. You've got you read the room. You read the room. You match read and mirror. Right. You know, and you yep. do it be, until yep. you get to your car and it's like, mm-hmm. or you get home and you're so exhausted from pretending yeah. all day long. You go into a job and everyone is oh talking and eating. Oh donuts! Yeah, I love donuts. Oh my god, yes, I love the ones with the chocolate in the middle. Then you go and you sit in the bathroom. It's like. Yeah. God, how much longer? Mm-hmm. Right. It's yeah. exhausting. Yeah. And it saps any energy that you would have for yourself. Like we talked about recharging, you know, yeah. I think like you are probably in trying to keep your sadness at bay, you are even sadder at the end of all that because you're completely drained. There's yeah. nothing yeah. left for you. Nothing like, left. Yeah. Have yeah. you heard of the spoon theory? Mm. No. I have. Yeah. I have not. It's yeah. about people who live with mental illness or chronic disease that if every person on the planet has eight spoons, and these spoons represent a unit of energy, something that requires significant energy. For a person living with a mental illness, just getting out of bed, one spoon, I've got seven left. All right, do I take a shower or do I go make the coffee? I'll take a shower, all right. That decision was a spoon, six left. I'm staring in the mirror, looking at myself, picking myself apart, like, why are you, you should just quit. Hmm. Why are you even doing this? Okay, now I've got five spoons left. I finally got into the shower. (laughs) Now I gotta figure out what I'm gonna wear. And oh my gosh, I'm running late. Spoon gone. I've got four left. I haven't even left the house. Right. I can't find the shirt that I want to wear. Spoon gone. Okay, where is my cell phone? I just put it here. You always do this. This is why you need to clean, Natasha. Three spoons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you have, there was one point where I was really paranoid about forgetting my keys. And so I would throw my keys outside of the door so I could see them on the floor. Okay, keys are on the floor outside of the house. 
that process. Okay, that's another spoon. I've got two left. Mm -hmm. Traffic, one spoon left. I get in, and as soon as I sit down to my desk, the most chipper person (laughs) in the building (laughs) wants to ask me about my weekend. How was your weekend? What did you do? I have zero spoons left. That's why I'm snapping all day long. I've got no spoons left, and it's not even 9 o'clock. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. So now I've got to mask. So by the time I tell people that I don't go out a lot, mm. I don't do malls, I don't do large crowds because just the social part of it is draining for me. I don't, I don't do it because I know that wherever I am and there's more than 25 people that next day, I need at least a, until noon yeah. just to recalibrate. Wow. Yeah. Because it's draining. Mm. And how many people are going to understand happy, chipper, on TV Natasha <laughs> doesn't want to talk to anyone because right. she's having a, a, a low energy day. Right. I don't call right. it a depressed day, a low energy day. Yeah. You? Really? <laughs> Why don't you want to come to my white party? You know, I saw that you were out. I saw that you were hanging with Shannon, you know, but you don't want to come to my thing. Right. Because right. today I have energy for I prepared all weekend. Yeah. Right. For this. Right. You know, and 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 this actually fuels me. Mm-hmm. Right. Anytime I get to talk about mental health. Yeah. It's like it's a B12 knowing yourself. Shot. Yeah. Yes. In yeah. all aspects, yes. knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you talked about before we get away from the suicide thing, mm-hmm. um, I do want to ask you, because it has become so prevalent, mm-hmm. um, what is the best way to respond? You mentioned something that I found very impactful is there's nothing you can do. It's not, you know, because you always, ref- people who have experienced reflect like, yeah. I didn't think that would have happened. Oh, what did that mean? Right. Oh, was that a sign? You know, you sh- A, you shouldn't do that. But when those days come, how should you respond to them? If you are ever in a situation with a person who has expressed that they desire to die, mm-hmm. do not leave them. Mm-hmm. If you've got to handcuff yourself to them, do not leave them alone. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the last. It could be the last cry for help that they're going to give. Right. And somebody's caring. And someone's caring. Call mm-hmm. 741-741-211. Get whomever you need. Mm-hmm there to support if you do not feel comfortable with supporting them. That might be the last the last cry for help yeah. that there is. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the signs that may be noticeable, self-harm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's something that I used to do. And self-harm isn't always cutting. Self-harm could be uh, taking a shower with extremely hot water. Mm-hmm. Self-harm could be, I'm just not going to eat. Right. You know, one of my diagnoses was EDNOS, eating disorder not otherwise specified. Mm. And it meant that I wasn't not eating because I wanted to be thin. I was not eating because I was paranoid someone was trying to poison me. Wow. And I was yeah. linked to the diagnosis. Right. So when you notice things like that, notice, especially with children, Okay, you were all about ballet last week. Mm. Now all of a sudden you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. What happened? Right. Yeah. What transpired? Awareness. Yeah. awareness. You know, you've got to pay attention. If I'd say tell people if you notice it, it's meant to be noticed. Mm. Sometimes it's an inflection in someone's voice. Why did she say it like that? Mm. Sometimes it's the absence of emojis. Yeah. Normally she always ends with that emoji, but she didn't this time. Mm. Hmm. Mm. 
And it can be in. as simple yeah. as, hey, I'm coming to pick you up. We're going to Chick-fil-A. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Or Manny Petty on me. Right. Right. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Just so you can, in the Caribbean, we have a saying, um, allow our two eyes to make four. Hmm. Just so I can put my eyes on you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because the eyes are the window to the soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can smile all day. I have a friend who's like, who I'll post a picture online and he'll call him like, what's going on? Uh-huh. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> because that picture, people might be mm-hmm. razzle-dazzled with a smile. What's going on with your eyes? Oh. Yeah. Oh. There's no light. Yeah. There's no light. There's no light. Yeah. The yep. light is gone. Right. And I'm like, oh, you know me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So pay attention to all of those things. And that means slowing down a bit Mm. to be a support is sometimes inconvenient Mm. because you're trying to make it to the movie you know you've got an eight o'clock movie and and you're just notice that they're stalling or dragging a little bit Mm -hmm. you know it's an adjustment i don't go to movies Mm. i don't and if i do it's tuesday at 10 a.m yeah Right? Three people in a theater. Yeah. Right. I don't want the crowds. Yeah. I don't want that. And so to be a friend to a person, you've got to understand them and be willing to make those adjustments or not. Mm-hmm. And it's okay, but I'm not going to a movie on opening night <laughs> at 10 o'clock on a Thursday. It's just not happening. So right. that's just it. And I, yeah. I imagine that you know, for a lot of people, those conversations are so uncomfortable that they avoid it. I mean, I think that maybe sometimes people see something that seems off, but don't know how to even broach that. And I, I feel like probably like it's probably worth dealing with that discomfort, even if it's a false alarm, because you'd rather right. have the conversation than have something right. bad happen. Like, 100%. Yeah. It's like going into a pool, um, one of my favorite movies with, oh my gosh, Superstar. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, it, you don't dip your toe into the pool, you jump in. Yeah. So yeah. when you have a hard conversation, which do you prefer? Mm. Which discomfort do you prefer? Asking how a person is feeling and being completely wrong and then be like, oh, well, I love you enough to ask. Yeah. Or having something happen to them and sitting with, I should have asked. Mm. Which which is more uncomfortable? Right. I, I ask all the time. Yeah. I, I don't care where I am. If I see someone linger around something too long, linger at the gas pump mm. too long. One time I saw someone, you know, going through like three cards. Mm. I'm not making it weird. Hey, you know what? Mm. Today's Tuesday. Every Tuesday I I give, I put $20 in someone's tank. Can I do it <laughs> right. for you? Right. Like, don't make it weird. It doesn't right. have yeah. to be the weird. Approach. Right. Yeah. The approach. Yeah. yeah. The approach is important. It's for important. Sure. Mm-hmm. And just notice, like, do you think, make a joke out of it. Do you think I don't notice your emojis? Right. I know you. Why <laughs> right. did you not give me my heart emoji? Right. And right. now there's a conversation right. that opens up. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the strict... Today I would like to speak to you about suicide. <laughs> suicide is bad. Right. Are you feeling suicidal thoughts? Yeah, it doesn't have to be a script. Yeah. It doesn't just, have to be a script. Right. Just be you. Right. Don't right. make it weird. Yeah. yeah. Open the conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Pay attention. You know, and with that, I think so many things are tied together. You talked about self-medicating mm-hmm. um, and addiction. And I am so intrigued by that. Have that in my family. Mm-hmm. You know, um, any thoughts on that, how to uh, look at yourself and also how to support? Trauma is the gateway drug, mm. okay? Um, I don't know anyone 
who was bored and said, gosh, I'm so tired of playing Uno. Let's try meth. Mm. Right. <laughs> Natural next it's step. It's never yeah. happened. <laughs> right. So there's always a trauma that precedes any substance use. Mm. Unless it's, you know, a person that went to a, a child that went to a party and they're doing the Skittle party mm-hmm. where they just throw medicine. Even that, there's a self-esteem and a confidence issue that allowed them to succumb to the peer pressure. Right. So there's even do always. It, even to try it. Absolutely. There's always a reason for it. And I've, I, I don't say addict. I don't say substance abuse because I know that there's something that happened that caused the person to go this route. I still remember from first grade, the first and last name of the boy who told me that I was too ugly to be his girlfriend. Wow, that's uh, deep, that's some deep trauma. Right, so imagine what people are carrying. And I mean, I laugh and joke about it and I've spoken to him and we laugh and joke about it, (laughs) but you never know how things have affected people, and that's just surface stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about what children have seen, mm-hmm. what p- children have been exposed to. When you talk about the ACE scores, adverse childhood experiences, neglect, having a parent incarcerated, going through divorce, all of the various types of abuse, children have dealt with that. Children are dealing with that right now, and we have adults that have not processed that because when they were children, there were no words for it. Yeah. There were no people right. talking about it. Yeah. So we are the walking wounded yeah. wow. in, <laughs> wow. you know, That's accounting, yeah. Yeah. you know, <laughs> attorneys in leadership who have not dealt with, and, and I believe that people emotionally stop growing mm. at the age of their trauma. Mm. Wow. So if you were, Uh, molested at age six. There's a part of you that's still six. There's a part of you that wants that six-year-old to be heard, for their pain to be validated and affirmed. And sometimes how that comes out is people are mean. Mm. There are people in therapy because of people who won't go to therapy. Yeah, very much Yeah, so, I was yeah. going to say, it's like a snowball effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if somebody's really mean, right. there's an underlying Absolutely. cause. Absolutely. Yeah. Why? It's nine o'clock. <laughs> well, I mean, did you really get that upset because they gave you hazelnut instead of French right. vanilla? Right, or got like, my name right on yeah, the cup. Yeah, yeah. Got my Really? Are we really doing right. that on a Monday? Yeah. Right. But Monday yeah. is also the day where people have the most heart attacks. Mm -hmm. Why? Mm -hmm. Because they're driving into a job that they hate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Circumstance. And instead of facing it, people, we have an epidemic of pretending not to know. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pretend not to notice how much I hate my job. I'm going to pretend not to notice that this relationship really isn't working for me. I'm going to pretend not to notice that I really don't want to volunteer anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pretend not to notice just because it's it's I'm going to pretend not to notice that this faith community isn't serving me right. anymore but my grandmother started mm-hmm. the church. <laughs> And so we are a nation of pretenders. And as much as we talk about, you know, be your true self and live (laughs) your truth and be authentic, people are masking and faking every day. So my confidence in being authentic is intimidating because I'm a a mirror. Another thing that I know, I'm a life path nine. (laughs) We're like the ultimate empaths and we are mirrors to people. Mm -hmm. So I know that when I encounter people, 
my unapologetic truth of who I am, they're looking at me and seeing in themselves where they're lying to themselves, where they're pretending. And it's not right or wrong. It's how can I help you get closer to living a life that you love, Mm. that you don't have to pretend, that you don't have to run away from. You know, I love the version of me that gets to leave the house without lashes and doesn't care. Mm -hmm. My nieces laugh at me because I'll wear an Adidas shirt with Puma sweats Mm -hmm. and Nike shoes. And (laughs) I don't care. I don't care. I mean, like, (laughs) there was a day where I'm like, oh, my God, I've got to be dressed to the nines. What if anyone sees me? Well, here I am. Yeah. Right. You know, and the 7-Eleven Natasha is the... ABC News Natasha is the driving on the highway Natasha. That's who you're going to get because I have done so much work to get here. Absolutely. I have. It's cost me a lot in therapy and medication to get Mm -hmm. to this point Mm -hmm. that I am not allowing anything or anyone to get me back to a place where I'm ashamed. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask for this. Right. (laughs) Did anyone ask for cancer? No. Does anyone ask for lupus? I didn't ask to, and even with anxiety, people are like, well, I don't understand why you're anxious. Mm-hmm. You know, you, aren't you on the radio? Aren't you on TV all the time? Mm-hmm. I still get nervous. Mm-hmm. Nervous just means I care, and there's a difference between nerves and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a difference between anxiety and panic. Yeah. I, I, I don't know when panic is going to happen, and but what would I pick? Mm-hmm. If we all have to pick something, mm-hmm. what would you pick? Mm-hmm. And that was a question that I journaled about well over 10 years ago. All right, Natasha, you upset that you have a bipolar dis- diagnosis. Okay, well, what do you prefer? What do you want instead? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and that was a question I couldn't answer. Like, right. um, I guess yeah. I'll take lupus for 200. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, what do right. you do? It's, right. This is it. Everyone is dealt a hand. Yeah. And you, and as a coach, because I'm not a therapist, and I make that clear, mm-hmm. I don't do deep dives into your past. Mm-hmm. I don't care about what happened when you were three. Mm-hmm. As a coach, my job is to help position you to win. Uh, so what strategies do you need now? Do you need some obnoxious alarms right. to remind you to take your medicine? Because right. every time you don't, you you blow You've got 99 boxes from Amazon. Yeah. Right. You know, is it that you need a therapist? Is it that you need need a hobby? Yeah. Some people need hobbies. Yeah. Like all you do is mother. Right. Or wife. Right. When was the last time you did something just for you? Yeah. Yeah. Even men. Men are having a tough time because you're supposed to be manly Mm. and strong (laughs) and the breadwinner. Well, okay, apart from being the CEO, Mm. apart from being the husband and the father and, you know, the AAU coach, when was the last time that you just did something for you? Mm. You're still grieving your mom, who was your best friend. And now you are at happy hour every afternoon. You you just took up smoking cigars out Mm. of nowhere. And you're wondering, you know, why your wife is upset with the new secretary that you hired that is two years older than your oldest daughter. Right, right. So your behaviors are evidencing not mental illness, but there's a mental health challenge going on with you, sir, Mm -hmm. ma'am. No one said that you can't have a Porsche, (laughs) but usually you discuss these big purchases 
as a family. All of a sudden, there's a Porsche in the garage, and you've got an attitude about it as if, as if this is new. Yeah. So people, yeah. I feel, are unraveling because they aren't dealing with the deeper issues. Yeah. Get yeah. to a therapist. Get to a coach. Mm. Go to a barbershop. I'm a, I'm a proponent of barbershop talks. Mm. Just shut it down, you know, and like we're just gonna talk about stuff. <laughs> Forget the Knicks and Golden State Warriors. <laughs> How did you handle when your mom died? Right. How did you handle losing right. your son? Yeah. How are you dealing with your child that has autism? Yeah. You're letting your wife handle it all alone while you, this is your third time golfing this week. Right, right. right. You're running away. Mm. And these, this is what people are pretending not to notice. Yeah. You're wow. pretending not to notice that you got your ear pierced at 62. <laughs> Normal. Mm. Totally, it's just you whatever. just you got a tattoo <laughs> of a Tweety Bird at at 45. Yeah. yeah. Like, right. what are you doing? Like, something's going on. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about something's it. Something's off. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Wow. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the direction that you have for anyone who's watching or listening um, is to seek out a coach. Mm-hmm. So you can you start coach. with a coach and then mm-hmm. go to therapy? Absolutely. Or? And sometimes yeah. you need both. Okay. There are people who come to me and from the first conversation, I'm like, you need a therapist. Mm-hmm. You don't gotcha. need me yet. Yeah. Because you've got to work through all of that. Right. Um, a coach, a therapist, a support group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes that could be the first step. It, it may be unconventional but sometimes a Facebook group mm. right mm-hmm. kind of like the bloggers from your past absolutely pretty much you saved each other a lot of you so. because now you notice oh I'm not weird right <laughs> you know like I've I've spoken to parents that are caregivers for their adult children with mental illness and I'm like it is normal to love your child and to wish that they'd go away right right you know, right. caregivers, adults who care for their their parents. It's normal. I, I love my parent. I I don't want them to leave, and I wish that they would die so they don't have to suffer anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't have that conversation with anyone who hasn't lived that right. or is living it. First steps. First step is is to be honest. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's the first step. Be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if you go to a therapist or a coach masking, <laughs> mm-hmm. you're not doing the work. Yeah. So the first step is to identify what's wrong and what's changed. Okay, if you are up until 2 in the morning watching TV instead of going to bed with your spouse, and you never did that before... Mm-hmm. I tell people to trace the emotion to a thought. What are you feeling right now? I just feel like I need to take the edge off. Why? Because I had a long day. Why? Because I don't like my boss. Why? Because he's overbearing. Why? Because he's pressuring. Why? Because I'm not producing. Why? Because I can't think. Why? Because I can't focus. Why? Because I'm not sleeping. Why? I got a lot on my brain. Why? Because of my mom. Because of this. Yeah. Then you just got there. Yeah. The you got to play like the toddler game where they just keep asking why. Just You're like, keep well, asking. I don't like know. Like a rabbit. Yeah. yeah. Because wow. some people would stop and be like, oh, you know, I just hate my boss. Mm, no. What's behind that? Yeah. So keep yeah. asking why until you can't ask why anymore. And that'll let you know, is this a commute issue? Like, I just hate the long commute. Mm-hmm. Is it my boss is disrespectful? Mm-hmm. 
Is it I need to learn problem solving and conflict resolution? Is it I've lost four people and I haven't had time to process the grief and I just need to use some of my PTO, but I'm afraid to. Right, right. right. Let's be, be honest yeah. with what it is that you need. Right. Some things can be alleviated with some days off, but there is a stat that says people don't fully relax on vacation until the third day. Wow. Yeah, that I know <laughs> from experience. The third day. Because that first day is just like, okay, I'm here. What's the plan? Second day is like, okay, what's the itinerary? Third day is, no, I won't check my, my email. Mm-hmm. Fourth day, it's like, all right, let's snorkel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And by yeah, then it's time to go home now. But yeah. then if it's a five-day trip, <laughs> right. it's done. Yeah. So seven days, yeah. you know, I tell people, like, there are no points. There's no prize for ending the year with a hundred days of PTO. <laughs> right. Like you don't get you right. don't get a bonus. You just lose them. Right. You just lose them. They don't you're roll lost. over. Yeah, exactly. You don't figure it out. You're lost. Right. They yeah. don't roll over. So, you know, I've got a friend that I told him I said you need to take every Friday off. Yeah. yeah. Every Friday off. Mm-hmm. And really, you have so much you should be taking Friday and Monday off. Mm-hmm. Like stop this. Yeah. And then there's that guilt of like, well, what are they going to? They'll probably manage. Like, it probably right. this company I'll probably won't behind. close down while you're gone. They'll figure it out. <laughs> but we have all heard that when a person dies, their position is posted before the end of the week. Yeah. Yes. Companies move on. Yeah. Like, you're really not that important. Right. You're important, yeah. but course. you're really not that important. Replace- you're replaceable. replaceable. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. replaceable. You're replaceable. Right. And what matters? And who are you not replaceable to? That right. should be. At the yeah, forefront yourself, of your, your thoughts, family, you know, yourself, yeah. your family, right. I all of the things. Have yeah. a, a I know a woman who uh, resigned from being an attorney mm. to be a teacher, so she'd be on the same schedule as her children. Oh mm. yeah. yeah, because she recognized they needed her more. Yeah, right. Who needs you more? Right. And and I think that this is the first generation. You know, people talk about Gen Z and the millennials. I think they're getting it right. This is the first generation where money isn't the motivation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They want passion. Right. They want to be connected to their Fulfilled. work. They want to feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Like, and 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 you know, people are saying, "Oh, they're not loyal." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. It goes both ways. You know. Yeah. It, I was yeah. Say, turn it around. Yeah. <laughs> It goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've delved a little bit into the workplace. What about uh, addressing mental health in the workplace? We Mm. happen to... Uh. (laughs) uh Uh-oh. We happen to be in in Mm -hmm. a a constantly building culture, but Mm -hmm. it gets really better every day here at Feeding Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. Part of that is we're helping people, and we have a main goal that's that's unique when you're a nonprofit. But why do you say eh? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, first of all, um, I did for the new employees at Feeding Tampa Bay. I mm-hmm. would come into the orientation session mm-hmm. for several months, and I would speak with them about mental health, and mm-hmm. it was always great. So, just the fact that that is something that yes. you all do is awesome. I say eh because I think I think organization again progress, but mm-hmm. some regression. Mm-hmm. I am not a fan of DEI. Mm-hmm. I say that a lot. Mm-hmm. I think DEI is performative. Mm-hmm. I think DEI was 
um, corporate response to George Floyd's murder. Mm-hmm. And so it's quickly, quick, yeah. get <laughs> what do we someone do? for right. DEI. Yeah, quickly. Make it mm-hmm. look like, yeah. yeah but gotcha. how it looks and how I've seen it show up is just check boxes. Mm. We need one veteran, right. okay? Someone with autism, someone black, someone Asian, get a woman in here, right, yeah. okay? Right. We, we did it. Right. One lunch and Balance learn. Balance has been provided. Yes. <laughs> one solved. lunch and learn on a Friday, yeah. that's optional. Right. <laughs> Right. With a DEI consultant, yeah. we, we've, we've done our due diligence. Right. Make sure the marketing has every face. I was just going to say the brochures you right. see. Right. The yeah. brochures. Oh, yeah. oh, yes. <laughs> Get on the website. Move him over. Mm-hmm. Bring someone, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's DEI. Yeah. Inside mm-hmm. DEI, those EI, mm-hmm. that's where I focus on. Mm-hmm. The emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. The emotional intelligence is the heart change. Yeah. DEI is the check boxes. That's the nine to five. That's the, all right, let me mask for these nine hours that I'm here. Oh, hi, great, you know. But as soon as I'm in the parking lot, I say whatever I want. Emotional intelligence makes you aware of not only your own emotions, but the emotions of others. It also equips you to regulate. It gives you a reason for the why behind the DEI. I think in the workplace, not enough is being done. If anything is optional, mm-hmm. why would I come? Right, yeah. I'm going to right. eat. You're tired enough. and I'm yeah. going to eat. Yeah. You know, uh, this <laughs> right. is my lunch break, yeah, you know? Yeah, <laughs> And I'm not paying attention, especially if it's on a Zoom and my camera's off. Right. I'm, you know, I'm on Facebook or, or TikTok. Yeah. Right? You yeah. know, I'm not paying attention. What I think needs to happen when it comes to mental health in the workplace is back to honesty. Mm. Let's take law firms. You're taking in enough business that requires your employees to work 14-hour days mm-hmm. for your bottom line. Mm-hmm. But then you want to talk about work-life balance? <laughs> right. <laughs> really? Yeah. But you're not hiring anyone else mm. to alleviate the workload. Mm. Right. There's also the culture of if you take a day off, you're lazy. Mm. If you're not coming in early and staying late, right. you know, you're not getting the you're promotion. You're not giving it all. Yeah, you're not being a team yeah. player. Yeah. So the, the, the culture has to change yeah. relative to how people see mental illness and realizing that uh, if my LinkedIn is correct, mm. and it is, there's a lot of your C-suite that's having a tough time. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we talking about this? Right. Yeah, and, and I think one thing that, you know, sort of ties into what you were saying before and also um, is kind of a counterpoint to the DEI thing is like, you know, recognizing that every individual is different and seeing them like as people, not just like this blanket solution, like you said, of right. like, well, just get enough different color, colored people in here and we'll be good. But that like every single person, I think companies struggle with this, is going to have a different number of spoons, mm-hmm. different needs and preferences, different abilities and being able to appreciate and separate those things and not punish one person because they do tend to come in later or whatever, like that kind of thing, you know? Um, and I think FTB does a decent job of like seeing everyone as an individual, mm-hmm. but I also totally agree that like, you know, a lot of companies, it's just a checkbox, you know, it's just like, yeah, we, we're, we're sensitive or whatever. <laughs> I think, I think DEI, and I've seen a lot of companies move it under HR. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, a fan of that, mm. and and this is my own trauma of dealing with HRs. Mm. Right. I think it has to be its own external organization, mm. and 
I've had accommodations before, you know, after um, in 2013, I've got stories for you. I had <laughs> acute kidney failure. Oh, wow. Wow. And when I got back to work, I, um, you know, they took me off of all meds. So I, the medicine that I was on, I was still groggy at nine and nine o'clock was when I needed to be in for work. So reasonable accommodation. My day started later, mm-hmm. started at 11 to seven. Some people need that, mm-hmm. you know, especially if it's a mom and she's a caregiver. Yeah. You know, maybe if she's dropping kids off by 8, maybe her day can start at 10. Mm -hmm. You know, working with your employees, Mm -hmm. what's best for them instead of the blanket, everyone in at (laughs) 9, everyone in the office now, is that best for everyone? You know, you may get more out of someone working in pajamas at home Mm -hmm. than you would if they have to fight through an hour (laughs) commute, you know, and then get in here. They spill coffee on their shirt, you know, school's calling. You may get more out of them. So it's really case by case for each individual Mm. and make it safe to disclose. Yeah, I've had, you know, earlier this this year, last year, I was working with one company, prominent company. I'm like... You know, of course, I always identify myself as a mental health advocate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I ask the question, why is it six months and this new employee has not had one accommodation mm. that they requested that's been supported by the doctor? Yeah. Why, why are captions? I don't understand. It's so easy right. to enable captions on Zoom. Yeah. It costs you nothing. Right. Why is she not able to record the, the Zoom meetings and she's the note taker. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. why why are you trying to force her to come into the office when her position requires no one that's in the office? Right. right. So these are the HR also has to be educated. Right. Managers, they don't need to be therapists. Mm. But I do believe they need sensitivity or um, just just awareness. Yeah. Everyone isn't like you. Yeah. I've had people say, well, why do you need the Zoom captions enabled? Are you, I didn't know you were deaf. <laughs> wow. I didn't know you were, are you, are you, do you wear hearing aids? Oh my God, yeah. First of all, that's not a question you should ask. Second of all, I wanted to say just enable the captions, mm-hmm. but I didn't and I explained mm-hmm. misophonia. I didn't say your voice is shrill and <laughs> angers me. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't give you a new uh, larynx, I didn't say that. Right. But. These are the questions that, you know, directors, managers, C-suite need to understand that people are differently abled. Right. Yeah. Without being disabled, which I feel like is the usually the line you have to cross, you know? But like, aren't we all disabled? Right. Like, right. I can't Someone. drive right. an 18-wheeler. <laughs> right. So I am disabled, That's unable to drive an 18-wheeler. Right. 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 Yeah. Is it? Right. Different. We're all different and it's okay and it's the diversity. And I think Mm -hmm. companies get it when it comes to skill sets, Mm -hmm. but they're not getting it when it comes to ability and to cognitive ability, that it's the diversity of thought that makes us better. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you really thought, you know, doing X was great, but now here's this person that you've shunned because you were told they have Asperger's Mm -hmm. And now they come in and they give you an idea and you're like, that was our best campaign. (laughs) Allowing, you know, I say diversity is saying, oh, there's a lot of different people. Great. 
equity is okay there's a lot of different people and you know we'll have stools and we'll have seats and we'll have those bouncy balls Mm -hmm. inclusion is okay anyone who wants to come to the party can come (laughs) belonging is i've got a tent card with your name on it and i can't wait for you to get here because your experience is going to add value to what we have going on Mm -hmm. we've got to get beyond the dei to the belonging, recognizing every experience, every ability, every religion, everything is is contributes to the 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 paella the jambalaya <laughs> you know yeah. it all goes into it and it's mix. better yes, yes it's absolutely better. absolutely mm-hmm. <laughs> yes hi JC Peters hello how are you today Shannon so excited for you to join the podcast I'm so excited about the work that you do and how you lead our culture team you are the Chief Communications and Culture Officer. Um, And I think today is a perfect time to chime in on Mental Health Awareness Month. How long have you been at the food bank? You're one of the OGs. (laughs) One of the OGs. I've been here almost nine years uh, and had a wonderful uh, career journey at the organization and have gotten to see, uh, you know, the team evolve, uh, the culture evolve, and just the organization in general. Um, And it's been wonderful to be here for that long. Yeah, so you started, you were one of um, Thomas Mance's first hires, correct? Yeah, early on, I think. Yeah, there are a handful of us that are still around from, you know, 10 years ago. Um, And again, it's just been such a pleasure to to see so much change over the years um, and to still be part of the team and see a lot of uh, new people come into the organization, a lot of great capability that we have here um, and a lot of wonderful team members that I am privileged to work alongside. So during that time, I'm curious because the way, you know, businesses especially regard culture has really changed over the years globally. But Mm -hmm. internally, how have you seen our culture change? Um, And what have you done to kind of build that culture out to where we are today? Yeah, I would say, you know, culture is definitely something that I think for A number of years, companies were trying to even understand what the heck does that mean? Um, And we went through the same journey about five years ago, really. Um, You know, culture is a buzzword. It's not only just about, hey, we all work here as human beings, but what does it feel like to work here? What support do we have? How are we connected into the work that we do in, in the organization? And so when we were fortunate enough to start this work, invest in in culture work. Um, it's something that I think over those last five years, then I have even seen um, change and grow so much. And so uh, I think as companies and organizations have become much more aware of the people uh, that work, you know, for us and, and, you know, for companies, it's, it's so important to understand that the work we do will only go so far. And, you know, that the people behind the work is really uh where we have to pour our support, where we have to make sure we're investing so that each person that comes to work can be their best self um, and and can really produce great results for the organization. And so I'm really happy, again, to to be able to lead this work. We have a lot of great partners and resources um, in the work. It's not something that I do alone. It does take the whole organization. um, And, you know, it's, it's been a journey for us to build it, define it, and now live into it. That is wonderful. I was going to ask about partners. Are there any specific partners who have helped guide you uh, to where we are today and as, as we continue to grow? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would say, you know, Living HR has been an incredible resource for Feeding Tampa Bay. We were um, just lucky to be introduced to them. And they, they're an organization that really helps companies define what people first mindset looks like in the work and in building a culture. And so we were introduced to them and they helped us do the work on the front end to be intentional about building the culture. We needed to define it. Um, and we were able to go through a process where we defined and created what's called our culture grow code. Um, and they have been with us every step of the way to think about, you know, not only building the culture, but then how does that permeate throughout the organization, throughout the work we do, the decisions we make internally, externally. Um, it's one thing to define it and say it, it's another to live it. And so we've been spending the last five years living it. Um, and like every company and organization, we find ways that it works well and we find holes in it where we, you know, maybe need to adjust or, or evolve a little bit. Um, but you know, I think the the beautiful thing is culture is a living, breathing thing within an organization, just like any other program or initiative. And so, um, again, you know, I'm fortunate to get to lead the team uh, that create created the culture. Um, but you know, it's it's really every single one of us living into it each day that makes it what it is. Well, and you know, it's continuously updated and supported. For instance, manager trainings. You know, we have them all the time. It's just keeping us all in the same mindset with the same goals. Um, and that culture code is at feedingtampabay.org if you'd like to see that under who we are. Um, so I hope in the future that we can go into each of those uh, codes yes. that we live by and that when you come to Feeding Tampa Bay, it's pretty it's made pretty clear from our onboarding mm-hmm. um, who we are and what we expect um, and uh, how it keeps harmony within our ranks for most, most of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing's ever perfect. And with that, Natasha just made a comment on how she's disappointed a bit on how many organizations, many companies are um, using DEI as an opportunity to check the boxes, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, can you chime into how we approach that at Feeding Tampa Bay? Yeah, absolutely. So our diversity, equity, and inclusion work really is something that is side by side with our culture work. Uh, They are not uh, existing separately. We've really, you know, made sure that we're weaving them together uh, because we, you know, should be, the culture should feel very much a part of our diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, initiatives. And so one of the best ways that we've been able to tie that into our culture, uh, one of our badges, I know we'll get to highlight all the badges at a later time, but one of our badges is honor all. And that really is kind of where we start organizationally with the people we serve, uh, with our partners, but with our colleagues as well. We uh, feel very strongly that every single person that we come in contact with is worthy of respect and dignity. And everyone has a story, has a past, has a set of beliefs. And uh, our job is to make sure that you know, everyone feels comfortable and welcomed at Feeding Tampa Bay. And um, so honoring people for who they are um, and celebrating our differences is is something that we have long, um, I would say, you know, has been a part of Feeding Tampa Bay. But again, we were able to define that in our culture work. And that's uh, the weaving in of diversity, equity and inclusion. And you know, I think for us organizationally, the work behind the scenes is is what a lot of people don't see, um, you know, and, and I think it is difficult to 
have goals and objectives that you're trying to accomplish uh, through the lens of DEI uh, specifically, you know, where it could feel like we're checking the box. But if you are intentional in, in weaving it through all of your processes and your recruiting processes, um, you know, in, in how we onboard to your point and how we support employees that have unique and different needs organizationally, how we serve the people uh, out in the community who have different circumstances and needs in, in needing food assistance. So in every way, shape or form, uh, diversity, equity and inclusion have to be at the forefront of, of how we approach our work. And so culturally, you know, we've been able to do that internally where we're looking at our processes and procedures and considering, you know, how are we looking at this from an equity lens? Uh, but, you know, I think what I would say is a lot of that does happen uh, behind the scenes and is is an ongoing thing. You know, learning, we're constantly learning in this space um, and just opening ourselves to a bit of vulnerability to say we don't know it all. Um, and there's a lot we still have to understand and unpack. Um, and, you know, I think for companies and organizations to be committed to the work, this is, uh, this is a long game. This is not something mm -hmm. that changes overnight. Um, and sometimes, you know, you make uh, small steps, sometimes you make really large strides. Uh, but, you know, I think for us organizationally, staying committed to it, understanding that we're not going to get everything right. Um, you know, we're just have to continue to take a step forward together as an organization, together as colleagues, um, in order to really make sure that that work doesn't just become checking the boxes or just become a moment in time, but a, a long journey. Right. That's something else that Natasha talks about a lot is being honest with yourself and honest with others. And I think as an organization um, that we support that, that's uh, our speaking our truth. That's another hint uh, to that <laughs> culture code. Um, but with that, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. It's why Natasha is our guest today. She is a well-known expert, life coach. Um, but the interesting part of her story we've come through so far is that she speaks her truth to who she is. Yeah. and struggling with mental health issues and challenges. Um, how do we address mental health as an organization? Yeah, and I would, you know, first start with uh, just applauding, you know, the, the courage to be open about the conversation. That's so important. Um, you know, as as team members here at the organization, you have to have a safe space where you feel comfortable, you know, sharing. I'm having this challenge. I'm struggling here. And we all have different, you know, struggles and circumstances in our lives. And so, you know, for us, I think the biggest thing is, you know, through honoring all, making sure that our team members have that ability to, to share openly what they're going through and to feel supported and that there is a safe place for them to share that and still be productive in their work, still be, you know, a, um, you know, an important part of, of the mission here at Feeding Tampa Bay. And so, you know, organizationally, we've done things to, you know, we've tried to create uh, supportive services. We've tried to create programs that, you know, support team members going through mental health challenges. But it's also just part of conversation that we have to have awareness to it. Um, you know, breaking down stigmas around mental health is such an important thing. Um, and being supportive of each other as colleagues. Um, you know, I, we I would say probably have a lot of similar um, programs that other companies have. We have an employee assistance program for team members struggling, um, you know, through our health insurance, we have support for mental health services, uh, but we, we bring in, we had a, a mental fitness coach come in and, and hold classes for the team members here at the organization, just to understand more about mental health, um, you know, whether 
it's something that you've identified within yourself or even have felt comfortable sharing or not. We're just trying to make sure that the conversation is present um, and that our managers are very aware of, you know, how do you work through um, with a colleague, you know, with someone on your team who's come to you and, and says, I I'm, I'm have a mental health issue you know, that I'm, that I'm struggling with, um, you know, how do you navigate that as a leader? So all of these things are really important to create an environment where it is okay, uh, because it happens to so many people. Um, and I think there are still stigmas. So just making sure that the environment is um, one that feels safe and supported can go a long way in making sure that we can navigate those challenges for our colleagues. Well, JC, thank you for joining us and chiming in as part of our leadership team. Um, I, for one, uh, do feel that we live in an organization, live, work, and play, if you will, in an organization uh, that creates uh, an atmosphere where you can be honest and there is continuous trust built with our team members. So thank you. Thank you for all the work that you do. Um, I've seen the change over the past five years and I've actually learned a lot as a person from your work and those that you work with. So we'll talk to you again soon. And um, thank you again for all that you do. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to talk with you. I'll talk to you again soon. Natasha, thank you. I have a feeling we'll have a part two, maybe mm -hmm. later in the season, because yeah. <laughs> having you here is so important. I've actually learned a number of things. Yeah, same. Um, we always, this is a fun question. Okay. Mm -hmm. The fun question. So, you know, we asked this at the end. It's kind of like a decompress. <laughs> we wanted to know about you. Of course, we're all about food. We uh -huh. all have definitely one thing in common. Yes. Uh, is loving food, needing food, but also being an individual, being proud and honest about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Which I've learned. From, uh, I've actually learned a different way of thinking from you today. I'm pretty, yeah. like, excited. I know our listeners and viewers will be, too. Yeah. So if you were around a table. Mm hmm and you could choose three people to join you at the table. They could be somebody who's here, who's not, uh, somebody you wish you could meet. Who are you? Jo who's joining you for that conversation at the table that's interesting, much like ours today? This is hilarious. <laughs> the first person is Tupac Shakur. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was in college when he died and I cried. Mm. Yeah. I just I thought he was too. such yeah. a yeah. genius mind and he was on he was on my list of people to interview. Oh yeah. Oh. Beyond the rap. Oh. Yeah. I just saw something in him and I just wanted to right. interview him. I right. wanted to get inside his head. Mm. The next person that comes to mind is um, former President Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. I just think that he is so effortlessly cool. <laughs> <laughs> And I want to know behind, because I know he's had to mask. Mm -hmm. Behind the mask, yeah. Give me what do you what do you do? What do you like to <laughs> right. play? I know you give everyone your list of songs and books and everything. <laughs> I want to know what it was really like yeah. for you. Yeah. And then it would be my grandmother. Mm. My grandmother, I am a fourth generation female entrepreneur. Mm. My grandmother had nine children and also fed 
the community. Wow. Interesting for feeding Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah. wow. <laughs> so there were people yeah. in um, raised in Tobago, Trinidad and Tobago. There were people in the community that weren't as fortunate. Her 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 parents mm-hmm. had a store, mm-hmm. but she when she cooked, she would always make a lot mm. enough for all enough mm. for all and wow. so the community children would come over and she varied whatever she would sell or make and uh, because of her you know my mother taught me a lot mm-hmm. and i would want to know from her her why mm. because you could have been wealthy on your own with your own family what was it that wanted that made you want to be bigger than just your own family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was what was that thing? And I, I think about her a lot. Just a sweet, kind, generous woman. Mm-hmm. It's 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 something that I don't see enough of now. Right. You know. Um, Personally, I think no one should ever, and again, we're at Feeding Tampa Bay, Mm -hmm. no one should ever be convicted for shoplifting food. Mm -hmm. Right. You take a large screen TV, (laughs) you're going to jail. You don't need the TV. Yeah, Yeah. but But bread, milk, food, there's a reason. Campers, there's a need behind it. A redirect would be best. Absolutely. You don't need to do this. You have a feeding Tampa Bay or wherever in your area where you're at, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a need for it. So I'd want to Tupac, Barack Obama, (laughs) and my grandmother, Leonise. Peters would be who I'd want to talk with. Nice. So, and yeah. I'm, I, I think I might know the answer. I might not. Mm. Our last question okay. is, who's cooking and what's the meal? <laughs> Ooh, my grandmother's yeah. cooking. I, I kind of felt that that <laughs> right. And yeah. what would the meal be? What was your favorite meal oh, from her? Oh my gosh, what wasn't she? <laughs> some people are great cooks. Some are great bakers. She was great at both. Wow. So. The meal would be um, roti, mm-hmm. um, which is a traditional Trinidad and Tobago meal. Mm-hmm. And you can have it with goat, with chicken, whatever. It would be that with her signature pepper sauce that she made, <laughs> which Ooh. I don't touch it if you've never had it because it's hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it would be the dessert would be what she called a roly poly, mm. which was coconut and like jam inside of a sweet, I don't know, dough, (laughs) and she'd roll it. Mm -hmm. So it would be spiral, and then she'd cut it into slices, and the drink would be sweet orange because she had a sweet orange tree Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. outside of her house, and she would make fresh juice with that. That's the meal, and then after we take a nap. Yes, absolutely. right. I think I Tupac yeah. and Obama would really love. That. Oh yes, oh that and yes. The conversation, I'm sure, much uh-huh. like today, yes. they would learn something from you as well yeah. in your you. life experience and yeah. um, how you give of yourself. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I I appreciate you. We appreciate Thank you. Thank you so, so much, much for giving us your time. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed this. And we'll have yeah, to same. have you back. Absolutely. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok at Feeding Tampa Bay. <laughs>